Hey, it's Talon and Eldon, and welcome back to Car Conversations with Superior Beings. So let's talk about Saab. Saab is a car company that most people will know about. However, it used to be a massive car company that dominated the market specifically over the, in the UK. The car was well known for being safe and very good at keeping the driver intact in case of a crash, which was also unlikely due to the great suspension put into these cars. In 2006, the car company sold 133,000 cars in the UK alone. Saab was a similar company to Kia at the time. They made cheap cars and sold them for cheap. This tactic quickly got Saab into the main domestic market for cheap cars. Although one of the most expensive cars they ever made, the Saab 93 Vigan, was priced at $38,000. This was the most expensive car they had ever made, which shows you really how cheap the cars were. The Saab 93 Vigan was a descendant from the BMW M lineup, specifically speaking the M3. While the Vigan was beat in every single category by the M3, the Vigan had more space in the back, which was its only advantage against the BMW. People around the world admired Saab for how they could make something so cheap into something semi-desirable. However, in 1996, Saab was purchased by General Motors. This would be the beginning of the end for Saab. For a while, the sales went up as General Motors managed the car company until a peak in 2006, which, I'll remind you, was 133,000 cars. The next year, they sold 125,000 cars, and then finally dropped to 20,000 cars in 2009 before going out of business in 2011. Why was this? What happened? First and foremost, people blame GM for the fall. This is because GM placed Saab in a section of their car manufacturers called Strategic Review. The reasoning behind this was that they wanted to work on a deal with buying the Swedish supercar manufacturer Koenigsegg. If you've never heard of Koenigsegg, they make hypercars and supercars that reach speeds well over 200 miles an hour. Anyways, General Motors took out a $400 million loan to try to buy Koenigsegg. However, before the deal was done, they realized that Koenigsegg didn't want to sell to them, and they couldn't make any of the money back. After this deal, GM insisted that Saab use their older platforms and make essentially the same cars again in order for them to save money. The result of this was Saab breaking their promise on a new car. This disappointed people and really killed the company's last hope of survival. The second idea that people had was just that the cars weren't well made, which was true. They sold cars from $5,000 to $10,000 most of the time. There's only such good build quality they could fit into this budget. People were, for whatever reason, expecting a car that would blow them away compared to the other cars at this price point. We're looking at you, Kia. The car wasn't exactly the best looking thing, but it had some okay models. One of them being my favorite, Sharp 900 Coupe 1994. It may not be the best looking thing, but with a few mods, it is a real eye catcher. The thing was, this car was just as good as any other manufacturer at the time. Was this why they failed? Was being good not good enough? This is what John Coleman, car spokesman and writer, said about the topic when the topic was brought up to him. He believes that the reason they failed was because they never had a chance to make anything wonderful. Everything was up to par, but it was never exceptional. Nine times out of ten, Kia had them beat in the cheap car market. John Coleman had done some research on the topic as well, but I agree with his final deduction that this was only a contributing factor to the imminent demise of Saab. 
General Motors definitely limited them and their production, but on the other hand, they were also what was keeping them afloat. I wish Saab was still here because they had some pretty creative ideas in their time. Saab had another thing that was constantly pushing against them. Somewhere along the line of creating and building this company, they had gained the reputation of being specifically for gay people. The issue with this was that at the time, being gay wasn't exactly the most accepted thing in the car community. My own father actually considered purchasing one, but changed his mind after seeing all the gay propositions around it. He wasn't the only one, though. The car community was hard set on this. This wasn't the first time a car had been pinned as gay. The Subaru Outback was given a similar title, but it wasn't nearly as devastating. The reasoning behind this way of thinking was a mistake on General Motors' part. When they were choosing the two magazines to advertise Saab in, they ended up choosing two magazines that gay men often read. After seeing this mistake, they tried to cover it up and say that they wanted to support the gay community. Howard Sherman, group account director for Saab Cars of Angotti, said, This decision was about the appropriateness of the market for the brand. The gay publications made sense, which was the basis for our recommendation and for Saab's participation. Up until this moment, no large companies had made a large move toward gayness. This kept most of the population away from Saab, and in my opinion, is what really killed the company in the end. Where's Saab now? Well, Saab is now a great choice for used cars. Because they were always so cheap, they only got cheaper. Not to mention because they were managed by General Motors, there's still parts being made that will fit onto your car. You also have a very unique car, and one that a true car person would say something about if they were to see one. Not to mention that the cars are more than reliable enough, many cars reaching upwards of two... 100,000 miles, with most even reaching 270,000 miles. So now that we've spoken about the downfall of Saab and our theories on why they went, let's talk about the highlights of Saab's cars. My favorite Saab that was ever made was the Saab Prometheus. This car was built without a steering wheel, and while it was never put into full production, this showed the creativity that Saab had when it came to building cars. The fact that they were so ahead of their time when they made the Prometheus just makes me wish even more that they were still making cars. One thing about the Prometheus was that there still had to be a way to steer. The way that they implemented this was with joysticks similar to a plane. Another one of my favorite cars is the Saab Sennett V4. In 1967, Saab began to use the 1.5 liter, 65 horsepower Ford V4 in all four models of their Sennets. The 0 to 60 time of the, of the Sennet did not change, but the V4 could hit 99 miles an hour compared to the Sennet 3's 93. When they went to meet the SCCA's requirement, which is uh, the company that sets requirements for rally cars, Saab made 70 Sennet V4's in 1967. In 1968, 640, and in 1969, for a total of 1,610 units. Most Sennet V4s were exported to the U.S., where it had an MSRP of $3,500. It's now worth about thirty grand. The Sennet V4 had safety features, such as three-point seat belts, a roll bar, and even whiplash preventing high back bucket seats. The GT850 was dropped in 1968 with the Sennet V4. Following suit, the next year, Saab merged with Scania to form Saab Scania in 1969. The Saab Sennet V4 was truly one of the coolest cars that Saab ever made from an objective point of view. Now that we have talked about how they fail in some of their cooler cars, let's talk about some of the things they achieved during the time they made cars. One of these accomplishments was using the Saab 99 in the WRC, or World Rally Championship, and it was the first WRC car to use a turbocharger. 
Many other cars afterwards started using turbochargers, seeing as it gave them an edge in the WRC. Another cool thing that they were able to do was they put ventilated seats in their 1997 Saab 9.7. This may not be a really new thing for us, but they were the first ones to put one in the passenger seat as well as the driver's seat. Another thing that they did is they were the first car maker to present a free-on-free, -free, or CFC free, air conditioning system. Only a few years later, this was mandated on all cars being released. This way there was less pollution in the air. So now that you know more about Saab, what is your opinion? Do you think it was their fault that they fell or was it General Motors' fault? It's always sad to see a company go down and I'm glad that I was able to share the history of this incredible company with you guys.